0: Was going to share with you out of the book of Titus, but we're not going to do that this morning. We're not going to do that. Open your Bibles up to the book of Ephesians. I want to just hit the ground running. I got to spend some time with your uh, young college age group. Boy, they're risky, aren't they? Mercy. And uh, I want to share with you about where we're going to be this week. And and there's been a new study that I've been doing, and it's actually a new it's something very old that I'm now doing, but um, we're just going to forgo that. What I want to talk to you about this week is, is um, something I've been, I've been studying that is uh, pretty prevalent in the New Testament. We've all heard about it. Are you with me? You're going to have to track with me this morning. Did everybody bring their Bibles? If you do not bring your Bibles, seriously, are we going to have this step up on screen by any chance? Are you going to be able to keep up with me? I didn't give you any verses. So I'm at least going to give you the passages we're going to look at, and if you would like to, to uh, keep up, we are going to go at pretty much breakneck speed. But I want to talk with you about something that Paul writes about and is, uh, pretty much an, alludes to in all of his letters, but um, it gets really strong in the book of Ephesians, um, and it's really the letter to the church in Ephesus. So, basically, when you're looking at the church in Ephesus, what you're looking at is at the end of, toward the end of Paul's ministry. Um, He he has two significant imprisonments. Of course, they were probably all significant to him. But the second to the last imprisonment was the one where he writes several letters. He writes, you know, to his protégés, to Titus both letters to Timothy, he writes a letter to the church in Ephesus, the church in Colossae, the church in uh, the you know uh, Philippi, the church in Laodicea, the church in Colossae. All these different churches, and he writes some personal letters as well. And it's it's just a very significant time. And all of those letters, if you're looking at them, he uses really weird language, really weird language, and it's it's a little uh, it's a little uh, Jaw dropping. One of one of the passages that I, I think is so good is where Paul is actually preaching in Athens, and Athens was a very religious city. And he comes in and he's talking about Jesus, and he's talking about he's talking about all of this spiritual stuff that's out there, and they're like, "What are you talking about?" In fact, I love the the passage where he comes down, and it's it's in around verse twenty three. You don't have to turn to this one. It's in Acts seventeen, but. He says, listen, I I was walking around the city. I'm looking carefully at all these objects of worship. He goes, I found this altar with this inscription. It says, to an unknown God. And he says, you want to know what? Because they're all asking, what are you teaching? This is a strange teaching, all these philosophers that are coming up to him. And he says, now what you worship as something unknown, I'm going to proclaim to you in this setting. And he just presents to them, hey, All this stuff you're talking, he explains all of that. When Paul writes the letter of Ephesians, five times in this letter, he mentions the phrase heavenly realms. Heavenly realms. For Paul, the spiritual aspect of our life is more real and influential than the physical. Now, we live in a world where... Our physical bodies, and there's, a, there's an exercise gym on every corner. Okay, we have at every aspect of it, of course, we do Amazon. My wife and I don't really go to malls anymore, but there's all these health food stores and all these aspects of health and all of our grocery stores. And I mean, we're really big time in terms of the physical. In fact, when we're dealing with stuff like depression and all these kinds of things that the early church viewed as spiritual. We try, to, we try to address them physical. In fact, I found in settings when you begin, if you at least suggest that maybe what you're experiencing physical might have spiritual roots, people think you're crazy. And so literally about six months ago, Mark and I were talking about this, not six months ago, but I was telling about this morning, about six to eight months ago, I was like, what, what's he talking about? Like I really feel like our churches today are just wrapped up in, and it's not all bad, but we're wrapped up in the Physical stuff. We seem to look for physical answers. This last election, it, it just—it really felt like we were putting our—we were putting all of our our hopes in a physical president, like some physical individual was going to come on the scene and fix all of our problems. Well, what if our problems are spiritual? Oh, so you're on the same page with me. I want, I want to walk you through a little bit of this. First off, it's interesting that when Paul talks about the heavenly realms, you understand the heavenly realms, or it's actually in the original language, it's just the word heavens. It's plural in nature. That there are, he's actually referring to multiple, I mean, it's plural. When he's talking about the heavens, it's translated in some of your translations heavens, or it's translated heavenly realms, they're plural. And for the longest time, this is guy who went to college, got all the degrees and all of that. I was like, well, there's only one heaven, right? But when you get back in the original language, and it's even revealed in our English translations, it's not. It's, it's plural. I want to give you a couple, couple passages just right off the bat. When Paul is talking about the heavenly realms... When he's talking about the spiritual world in which we live, this is, these are some of the things he's writing about. Now, remember, he's writing these letters. There's a whole series of them. He's writing them from a jail cell, and he's talking to all these churches about the same thing. This is kind of the manifesto of his life. He's been in the, he's been in the years, uh, ministry for several decades, many, many years. And he's writing not only what he's just been experiencing, but he's teaching that now to the churches. He says to the church in Philippi, listen to, the, listen to his language, listen to his perspective. And what would happen if you and I lived this way? He says in Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 18, For I, as I have often told you, that means he speaks about this regularly, As I have often told you before, and now I'll say again, even with tears, Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. And you'd say, why? Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. We should probably talk about that this week. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. He says our citizenship is in the heavens. You literally live. You and I live. Have our citizenship. It's like we're not of this world. The values that I have. The focus of my life. It's in the heavenlies, is what he says. By the way, just so you know, it's not Paul. Peter says the same thing in 1 Peter chapter 2. He's writing to his group, and he says, Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in this world. What do you mean by aliens? Dude, this is not our home. Isn't that weird? Seriously, isn't that weird? I'm not from here. <laughs> we don't talk like that. I don't talk like that because I don't, I don't want to be hauled off. But this is the language of the New Testament. This is the significance that you and I carry. It's not just physical. So what I want to do this morning, just really quickly, if you, if you give me some time over the next maybe three hours, I, I do, I want to I just, I want to familiarize you with this, this whole context of life that you and I live in. First off, you have Old Covenant, I, we may have mentioned some of this last time I was here, but... And, and, and of all days, okay, you, you're going to have to track with me this morning. I find that I talk about things and people misquote me. They're like, well, they said you said this. Well, that's because they were on their phone in service. I didn't actually say that. They were <laughs> off somewhere. Okay? So what we're talking about is pretty heavy and pretty deep. You're going to you're gonna have to track with me. We live in a new covenant time period, there is a new covenant time period, and there was an old covenant time period, okay? The old covenant time period no longer exists. It's not an option. Old covenant time period was where God dwelled in houses of stone. He walked with his people. He was out, it was an outside relationship. They could see him over there in a pillar of fire. You don't get too close to that God over there because he's holy and you're not. That was how they operated in Old Covenant time period. That period has come to an end. In fact, it's not only not beneficial and isn't worth anything if you try to live according to that; it becomes idolatry. I'm not against going to, you know, I'm not against going to Israel and all that kind of stuff. But I, I've actually, you know, you watch people and they're praying, you know, at some wall which is the original temple wall, and I think that's kind of neat and it's historical and I love it and we need to keep it and all that stuff. But he, he doesn't live there. Seriously, that's just a wall. It's just a wall. New covenant, you are the house of God. So he lives here. Now, there's an element to talk about the scriptures, which we can't go into this morning, but there were old covenant scriptures, which in the old covenant, Jesus tells us that none of that was to be permanent, but it was to teach us the need for a new covenant. The new covenant replaced the old covenant, and they're different, okay? In fact, a lot of times in Jesus, in his teachings, specifically in the Sermon on the Mount, he will say stuff to the Jewish people like, you've heard it said, but I say to you, Which means this is how things were in an old covenant time period. And this is how things are in a new covenant time period. In an old covenant time period, the relationship with God was different. In an old covenant time period, hear this. None of those people in an old covenant time period could live the life that you and I now can live. Because they could not be transformed from the inside. They couldn't be. So there were laws there were rules. there were strict boundaries. There was literally God took the people of Israel and all of the kind of weird dietary and all that, all of that was for the purpose of separating them from the world because they were so vulnerable to the world they, couldn't be, they literally couldn't be a part of it. Well, that's a total different deal now because you and I, although we're in the world, we're not of the world. We're, we can literally be transformed. Let me give you a couple examples of this. This is how I described it to my kids, which may or may not be helpful. What I told my kids, for instance, in an old covenant time period, God had these laws. One of the laws was don't murder, don't kill, okay? Big fan. Love it, okay? Nothing wrong with that. I don't like murder like anybody else. But in a new covenant time period, that's no longer necessary to talk like that because the God who's on the outside saying don't kill has moved on the inside and it changes. For the Christian, it's no longer "don't kill." It's "don't even hate," because he wants to transform you on the inside. He wants. See, in the old covenant, it was "don't kill anybody," and they do. They could hate people, all that stuff, but you just can't kill them. And that sounds weird, but they couldn't keep from that. You and I can be transformed. I give this example, um, we have this next door neighbor of this guy, he just lives catty corner from us, and I hate him, I just wish he would die, and, um, yeah, but I'm not gonna kill him, seriously, I'm not gonna kill him, because the Bible says don't, don't murder, okay, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna kill him, but I hate him, in fact, I, Corinda texted me earlier this morning, and she was, uh, uh, telling me that, you know, she was on her way, uh, into, into the gathering with uh, the church, and um, there was this big old accident on I-40. There's always accidents, because everybody's moving to Nashville because it's the greatest place to live right now. And there's always accidents, because it's, it's just so populated, even on Sunday morning. And so Krinda's texted me, and she's like, "I'm in traffic again." and she's sitting in a standstill, going to be late for service. And, and she's like that, she said, "I think this is a serious one." She said, "I think it may be a fatality." And I remember thinking, "Oh, let it be him. Let it be him." But I'm not going to kill him. Seriously, I'm not going to kill him because murder's wrong. The Bible says, "Do not kill." Now, as you and I talk like that, what should arise within you is that that guy's not normal. Something's wrong with him. Okay, because even though the Bible says, "Don't kill," you and I would you should look at me and say, "But there's something going on inside of you that's not quite right." Because you should not, not only not kill, you shouldn't murder. Or you shouldn't hate. You shouldn't only shouldn't murder, you shouldn't hate. Because you and I are called, God lives inside of us to change how we see. Not just change activities, but change how we see. I got a better one. Um, I tell my kids, uh, the Bible says Jesus taught, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I tell you, don't even lust. Okay, so uh, I cannot, the old covenant says under an old covenant time period, I cannot commit adultery. So what would that look like in my marriage? Um, I'm 48, my wife and I are getting older, okay, and everybody always talks about how beautiful my wife is. She does, she looks like she's in her early 30s. She's just, she's fantastic. She's beautiful inside and out. Okay, so she's very attractive. But she's got some miles on her. There's no doubt about that. I mean, she's, she's getting up there in age. She's not what she used to be, okay? Uh, but I'm not going to cheat on her. I'm not going to cheat on her, okay? Because the Bible says don't cheat on her. Don't cheat on your wife. And I'm not going to. But if she dies, uh, you know, I'm going younger. There's, that, that's you know, and probably not Hispanic. They're just too lippy. And so... You know, I've been, I've been keeping a list of girls that I, I meet, you know, and that, you know, just, you know, I'm, but I'm not going to cheat on her. I'm not, because the Bible says don't cheat. I'm not going to do that, okay, because I'm a Christian. But, you know, I am keeping a, I'm just kidding, okay, those of you watching online, because if, if you hear someone talk like that, you should look at them and be like, something's not right with that guy, because, yes, the Bible says don't commit adultery, but Jesus says if you've lusted in your heart, you've already committed adultery. See, the new covenant isn't just about rules we keep, it's about heart change. Now, you think that's crazy to use those kinds of illustrations, but you would be shocked and startled at the people that I meet that say, Oh, I was driving down the road and there was this guy, and man, I just, I was, but I didn't because I'm a Christian. I'm like, Are you sure? You don't sound like a Christian. Oh, you're so judgmental. Dude, you should have been in the first service where I talked about being judgmental. You're not supposed to condemn. You're supposed to judge. That is not correct behavior. So it's interesting how we talk. I'm shocked and startled at the stuff that I read on Facebook about the other side of the aisle. Something is clearly wrong. And what ends up happening, honestly, in our day and age, we end up... We end up having a whole form of righteousness, a whole form of godliness that Paul talks about to Timothy that is not Christian that we call Christian. Okay? So, the old covenant, picture I'm trying, we'll talk about some of this throughout the week, but the old covenant and the new covenant are two very different things. And they're they're different not only in terms of just the physical lives we live, but the inside transformation that we experience and the next level of spiritual warfare that we're involved in. Let me say that last thing again. Teen, college students, you're going to love this. And the rest of you will too. You're not moving from the old covenant to the new covenant. There's a graduation. Jesus says not, not all those who say, Lord, Lord, are going to get into the kingdom of heaven. Seriously, you could show up to church on Sunday and not be in. Come on. So there's a whole nother, you're not only in the new covenant hour changed, transformed on the inside, but you are called to participate in the redemption of a world that is spiritual. You are literally, I mean, Paul says you're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. What does that mean? He says in Ephesians chapter 6, which we're going to look at this starting tonight, and we're going to look at it every night this week, he says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, you do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, of against the principalities, of against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Hello? Have you ever thought about that? Your problem is not physical. It's not the physical guy you're looking at. That there's a spiritual, and it's interesting when you talk to people like this, they're all like, "Amen." Hey, man, I have no idea what he's talking about. Because we do. We've read this stuff, but what does that mean? Now, what's strange is in an old covenant hour, they were not involved in any of this. They were, it was shut off to them. Nowhere in the Old Testament are they commanded to participate spiritually like we are. But they believed more about the spiritual realm in the old covenant than we do. Do you know how many stories? I mean, there's, there's more stories, honestly, in the New Testament about the spiritual stuff and about beings And about who we war against and the enemy. There's more of that in the New Covenant than the Old Covenant. But in the Old Covenant, they just believed it more. Let me give you a couple of these examples. One of my favorites is uh, in Joshua. And if you want to look at these with me, Joshua chapter 5. It's the uh, fall of Jericho. And right at the beginning of this whole deal, Joshua, before they ever go up to Jericho, Joshua goes and scouts out the place himself. You guys may remember this. Check this out. So beginning at verse 13, it says, Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. So Joshua goes to scout out this place, you're under the impression, and he stands. the guy's standing in the middle of the road. He's walking up, this dude standing in the middle of the road with his drawn sword standing in his hand. Now listen to this. Joshua walks up to the guy. Check about the confidence of Joshua. He walks up to the guy and says, Are you for us or against us? And you know what the guy says in verse 14? Neither. And Joshua's whole response is, What do you mean, neither? We're the good guys. You probably heard of us, Israelites, kind of tough. Big God, pillar of fire. Like giving us all this land. People know me. That's that's what he says. But the angel says, neither. And then he he gives his title, but as commander of the Lord's army, I've now come. And Joshua falls with his face to the ground. And it's because Joshua meets, get this, Joshua meets a heavenly being. We won't get involved in who that is because there's a lot of different opinions on who that is. But he meets a heavenly being who's the commander of a heavenly army that's not physical. Are you for us or against us? Neither. There's a whole nother war going on that's more significant that you, are not at, you don't have access to. Let that register. And again, this is, this is all over the place, some of my favorites. And I get to pick my favorites since I'm preaching. Daniel. Daniel. The whole book of Daniel is about this stuff. But Daniel chapter 10 is one of my favorites. Daniel's been fasting. He has this dream. And, uh, man, he's been having all this kind of stuff. But at this point in chapter 10, he is on the side of this lake, and he has this encounter. And there's a bunch of guys that see it. They all run away. Daniel's the only one. He passes out. Uh, All this stuff happens. And... uh, in verse 12, this, this angelic being who ends up um, introducing himself, telling him who he is, is Gabriel. He ends up helping Daniel to his feet. It's like, pull yourself together, man. Get your act together. Stand up. I want to talk to you. And in verse 12, it says, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day. Listen to this. This is like the days of our lives. This is like some, you know, morning drama show. What are those things called? Soap, this is like seriously heavenly soap opera stuff. Listen to this. It's hysterical. It really is. Listen to this. Verse 12 Do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I've come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. This is a spiritual being talking. And by the word, the, the word there, we translate prince means ruler. So Gabriel, who's one of the big dogs in that kingdom, are you listening to me? Are you here? One of the big dogs in that kingdom is talking about another big dog in a worldly kingdom that showed opposition to him. Then Michael, he says, one of the chief rulers came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Anyway, now I've come, and he goes on. And if I was Daniel, I'd be like, dude, no, 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 go on, go on. So basically, Gabriel is giving this reason why he's late. He's like, I'm so sorry I'm late. Oh, I was tied down with the prince. That's this whole spiritual. You are so lucky you're not in the know. And that's how he describes the thing. In fact, he goes down in a few more verses, and he says in verse 20, he says, Do you know why I've come to you? Soon I will return to fight against the ruler of Persia. And when I go, the prince of Greece will come. But first I'll tell you what is written in the book of truth. And no one supports me against them except Michael. There's this whole other war that's going on that Daniel has no idea of. I mean, they're kind of like on vacation for seventy years in Babylon. Seriously, there is no people of Israel right now, and yet there's this war that's going on, and there's this whole other that they were not privy to. Here, here's here's a super significant one, and this is just for for because you're behaving. In Second Kings, I don't know if you some I I I'd assume that you're. Fairly fluent, or at least you've been to church long enough where you've heard these stories in, in the Old Testament. You've probably heard of Elijah. Elijah was like, you know, the he's the, you know, guy who came after Elijah. Super significant, uh, phenomenal man. And listen to this story about him. It's in Second Kings chapter six, beginning at verse eight. This is so good. It says now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. So the Aramites. Or the Arameans, they were at war with Israel, and this king of Aram is going through all these difficult times. He says, after conferring with his officers, he says, "Listen, I'm going to set up my camp in such and such a place." So he's going to go and set up in such and such a place and going to fight with Israel. But the man of God, that's Elijah, verse nine, sent word to the king of Israel: he "says Beware of passing that place, because the Arameans are going to go down there." So you're under the impression, but this is under the impression this is happening over and over again. The king of the Arameans is taking his army and he's putting them in such and such a place. And every time Elijah comes along, tells the king of Israel, hey, they're going to be here. They're going to be there. They're going to be here. And it says in verse 10, so the king of Israel always checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elijah warned the king so that, they, so that he was on his guard in these places. This enraged the king of Aram. So get this. He's, what he's thinking is I've got a spy in my group sent sending emails or text or something over to the king of Israel. So listen to what he says in verse 11. So the enraged king of Aram, he summoned his officers and demanded them, will you not tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? And listen to how they respond. None of us, my lord the king, said one of his officers, but Elijah the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. So the king says, listen, go find out where this dude is. We're going to kill him. Well, he finds out he's in Dothan, not Alabama. And so he sends this entire region, this this legion of forces around Dothan. This is so good. Listen to this. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. Now here's the deal. Basically, Elijah is with his servant. Okay, They're staying at the local Holiday Inn. Super nice place. And in the morning, the servant goes out to get the continental breakfast, you know, and he's, he's getting all of his stuff. He looks out the window, and he sees that this little town of Dothan is surrounded by this army, and he freaks out. Here's how it goes. Verse 15. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early in the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, no, he says, my Lord. What are we going to do? And Elijah is all calm, you know. He says, Do not be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And of course, the servant's probably thinking, Dude, we're by ourselves. Verse 17 Elijah prayed, O Lord, open his eyes. Let him see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. Dude, that's real. It's interesting to me that in an old covenant time period, you have over and over and over all of these pictures of a world that they did not have access to. Here's the deal. In a new covenant, this is so huge. In a new covenant, we find we have access to that. Five times in the book of Ephesians. Paul references the heavenly realms. We're going to look at each of those quickly here in just a couple minutes. I'm giving you some context right now. But you have access to the heaven. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. And what's even more, listen to me, you were created for that realm. That's where most of your weight, that's where your emphasis is. I've, I've literally heard people who scoff at prayer. You know what prayer is? Prayer is influencing the spiritual realm to affect the physical realm. Oh, we got this big problem. Well, pray about it. Oh, I'll pray about it, but what are we going to do? <laughs> That's physical. Probably shouldn't. It's why I don't do that. It's why I don't just beat people up on Sunday morning. It, it's not. But they, they have such an emphasis on the physical. See, what if our real weapons were spiritual? Seriously, what if where you are resourced, where you should be fighting the battle is spiritual? That's where our weight is. Now, my first thought in all of this was, hold on, how did we get included? Why? The picture that I was getting in my mind, and again, you'd think I would have come to this conclusion a long time ago, being who I am and travel and all that and preach and teach, and, but my thought was, you got this war between God and the angels and Satan and his angels. Do, leave us out of your drama. Seriously, you ever go to like any of your family gatherings and you're like, why am I here? Seriously, I don't need more of this in my life. That's what I'm like, leave us out. How did we get involved in this? Well, first off, did you know that the whole battle, I want to show you this biblically, the whole battle in the heavenly realms from the beginning is your, it's because of you and I. Because of you and I. If you go back to Genesis, and we're going to look at this, and and you can go there if you want to, but we're going to kind of survey a few things. I went back in my studies, and I was like, where did all this begin, and how did we get involved in it? Well, if you go back to Genesis, you read right there above verse 1, in the beginning. But the problem that I had was there was all kinds of things going on in the beginning that were actually had been taking place for a long time before the beginning began. Which sounds weird, I know. I was like, well, there's all kinds of things that was around before the beginning. Well, number one, God. God was around before the, in, in the beginning. And there's, there's angelic beings. In chapter three, you have a cherub that's put at the edge of the garden. He was not talked about in there. You have Lucifer in chapter three Get this, he's not only an angel, but he's a fallen angel. There was a whole spiritual war that happened before you and I ever came on the scene. That whole Satan being kicked out of heaven and all the war, that happened before the earth was even created. Genesis begins with, in the beginning, get this, this is crazy, there was a war in heaven. We know that from Revelation chapter 12. I and mean, you just read about it. Michael and his angels against Lucifer and his angels. And by the way, Michael is what we call a cherub. Satan is a cherub. We'll read about it in Isaiah here just in a few minutes. But these were commanders of legions. And there was this war that took place in the heavenlies, in, in heaven. And God created The earth, which was physical, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens, that's plural in Hebrew. Are you listening? God created the heavens, that's plural, and earth, that's singular, not earths. I'd love to talk to you about aliens and all that. Yeah, biblically it doesn't exist. We're never going to live on Mars. Christ is going to come back before. How do you know? Because he's going to come on earth. Go look at all the places where it talks about Christ comes to earth and he redeems those from the earth. He doesn't redeem those from Mars. This ain't rocket science. I'm going to live on the moon someday. You're almost there now. (laughs) Come back. Come back. Okay? There's a biblical context of life. Okay? None of that's going to happen. None of that's going to happen. Biblically, for biblically speaking. You believe whatever you want, but biblically speaking, one earth, one place for man to dwell And then the heavens. All throughout, by the way, not only the Old Covenant, but the New Covenant. Well, for instance, in the New Covenant where Jesus says he's teaching to his disciples. And he says the birds of the sky, that word we translate sky, is heaven. There's layers of heaven that we can see where the birds are. The stars in the sky, that's heaven. There's layers of heavens. Those are physical. Those are places you can see. But there's also spiritual heavens, the places that we cannot see. And they're referenced all throughout the Old Testament. And you can just, we can't go through all that this morning. Google it, okay? If you don't like Google, Yahoo it or whatever you use. But search it. Just go read the passages. It's fascinating. There's another world. There's an unseen spiritual world that exists just beyond our fingertips, just beyond what you and I can see, but we are subject to them, and we are called to be a part of that. We were created in the midst of a spiritual war. God created mankind, and he put him in in the Garden of Eden. If you have your Bibles, I want you to see this for yourself. It's Ezekiel 28. This is one of the passages I want you to look at yourself. And there are a number of scholars who are way, I feel a lot like pastor. There are a number of scholars who are way more, who are way more educated than I, but I don't know of too many scholars who do not agree that Ephesians chapter 28 is a description of Satan and his creation. By the way, just so you know, Satan is a created being. And we're looking how you and I, this is so good, by the way, you're gonna flip. It's gonna be like pff, mind-blowing stuff. This is how you and I got involved in this spiritual world. Ezekiel 28 tells us, beginning in verse 12, the sovereign Lord says, and by the way, this is not, it's so evident this is not human. He's not talking about a human. talking about a spiritual being that is influencing physical realities. Are you with me? You ready? Verse 12, you were the model of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Listen to this. You were in Eden, the garden of God. You're like, hold on. That's where we were created. Yeah. Just a side note really quickly. Did you know mankind, Genesis chapter 1, we are the only ones who are created in the image of God. Angels were not created in the image of God. Lions, tigers, and bears were not created in the image of God. We were. We were the only ones who carried the DNA of God. Paul tells us that, that angels, including Lucifer, were ministering spirits sent to serve those who inherit salvation. What you're gonna find when you look at the enemy, he was created as a servant to Adam and Eve. We don't worship angels, angels literally were created to serve those who inherit salvation. Think about this. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God in the Trinity. Where are we seated? With him. Are angels seated in Christ? No, they're not. If you only knew who you were. And the significance you carry. Say we Satan makes himself to be this huge. No, he's not. We can't go into this this morning fully, but I will tell you this. When Jesus Christ came and was tempted by the enemy, the enemy shows him all, literally, Luke chapter four, the enemy comes and shows him all the kingdoms of the earth. And he says, I will give you all of their authority because it's been given to me and I can give it to whoever I want. You're like, well, who gave Satan all that authority? Adam. When Adam sinned, he literally, the enemy, hijacked From Adam, all of the authority that he had. Which, get this, was not just physical. Stay with me. It wasn't just physical, it was spiritual. Nowhere in scripture was Satan given spiritual authority over heavenly things, over spiritual things. He was not. Jesus, Paul tells us, literally goes, when he dies physically, he takes all authority physically. But he goes down into the spiritual world. And takes captivity captive. Literally, leads. go read this. He leads Satan. He goes and takes over everything and leads him in a procession of conquering. He's bound. See, we sometimes we think of Satan that he's got like, you know, like, like Lord of the Rings. He's got this Sauron's fortress. No, he doesn't. If you go into the spiritual realm, Satan does not have captivity, Jesus took captivity and death captive. Yeah, we know that. That's, we know that. So you go, to, you go to Satan's old spiritual force, it's got this big sign, Closed for Business. Owned by Jesus. Spiritual police tape, can't come back. Jesus, in fact, when Jesus comes out of the grave, what does he say? He says, all authority has been given to me. What does it mean by all authority? If you go in the original language, the word all means All. Seriously, all authority. Well, then where does Satan rule? Nowhere. He rules in the lives of people who give him permission to be there. Let me say that again. The only authority the enemy has over you is where you let him reign. We should talk about sin this week. Physically, it's something you're not supposed to do. Spiritually, you're giving the enemy permission to reign. He has no rule. Satan literally lost. Jesus took it all back, which tells you get this. Adam Adam was created with authority, both spiritually and physically. And Satan took it because he he sinned. Do drink this in. And when you go home, go home and read it. He didn't know what he's talking about. Go read it. Just go read it. It's from the Bible. You were in the Garden of Eden. Every precious stone, verse 13, adorned you ruby, topaz, emerald, chrysolite, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, he's a created being. They were, they were made for you, they were prepared for you. You were anointed as a guardian cherub. Listen, what's a guardian? Guardian's guard. You mean he was on guard duty? Yeah, that's it. He wasn't a ruler. It's, in, it's interesting the lies the enemy has told generations that we believe. Oh, Satan's powerful. No, he's not. Well, he's a ruler. Uh, no, he's not. He has authority. No, he does not. You're going to flip when we walk through Ephesians chapter 6, not probably literally some of you may, but you're going to flip. T- hear this, to the child of God who's filled with the Holy Spirit, like Jesus, Satan is insignificant. The reason he reigns in our city is because we let him. Listen to what he says. Verse 14, you were anointed as a guardian cherub, so I ordained you. God put him as a guardian. You were on the holy mount of God, that's Eden. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Go over with me, and there's a little bit more given to us in Isaiah 14, and this is eye-opening. In fact, I don't know if you should turn there. Some of you should think about it before you turn there, because it, it just I don't want you to have fallen out. And... Seriously, this is incredible. Isaiah 14, beginning at verse, four, uh, verse 12. This is, after he was created, this is describing the wickedness of his fall. You're going you're gonna to flip. Listen to this. How, verse 12 of chapter 14. How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You've been cast down to the earth, you who lay low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. See, all that's created. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the uttermost heights of the sacred mountain. That's Eden. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Um, Listen to that. I will make myself like the most high. If you take that word like, and by the way, there's, trans, there's um, Bible programs. You can look for this for yourself. The word like the most high. Why Satan was, why Satan fell where he sinned is he wanted to be like God. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, we were created in his image and his. That's the same word. Hold on. So how we were created and the authority we were created in, he was jealous of that? Yes. You want to know how we got, think about this, you want to know how we got drugged in the war? Satan was put as a guardian cherub to serve those who would inherit salvation, to serve those who reigned spiritually and physically on the earth. And he was jealous of what we carry. That's why he comes after you. And he went after the enemy. The enemy went after Adam. And took, literally Adam gave it away. Just like Esau gave it away. His birthright. We were created in the image and likeness of God and Satan wanted to be like God. He wanted what we carry. And Jesus came and got it back. How we, were, how we got involved in the war is the enemy is literally jealous of the relationship. He's jealous of who we are. You are created to display the Father. Jesus says that when you see me, you've seen the Father. And that's who you and I are supposed to be. Paul says we're the, we're the, we're the aroma, we're the fragrance among those who are perishing and being saved of the knowledge of God. We literally smell like him. That's not just physically, that's spiritually. Seriously, that's spiritually. So when this is this is the context, and I wanted to give you a little bit of context before we got in the sermon, so we're just now going to begin. But if you would, and we can do this quickly, I won't be here forever. Go with me back, if you would be willing, please, again, to Ephesians. I want to give you just look at this five references to the heavenly realms. This is the context. It's amazing to me. I quit watching TV a year ago, and it's not all that spiritual. The Lord came to me and said, Jeremiah, you're wasting your time. you just waste your life. I'm like, yeah, but like Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, it's pretty good. Have you seen The Mandalorian? Have you seen The Mandalorian? It's like good. Little baby Yoda, he's cute as a button. Next season's going to be killer. He's like, I understand, but do you realize There's a very real that's not make believe that you can live in every day. And I can open your eyes and you can live in reality, not in make believe and fantasy. It's not that that stuff's bad, it's just that we blind ourselves and deaden ourselves to the real war. You don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Your enemy is not some president. I'm serious. Well, if we just got the right, the wrong physical guy out and the right physical guy in, everything would be great. Do you really believe that? There's a spiritual war that you are included in, whether you want it or not. It's spiritual. Five times in the letter to the church at Ephesus... Paul draws this out. Let's go through them super quickly. The first reference to the heavenly realms, which is where we'll look at. I don't know if we'll get here tonight or not. We probably will look at this tonight, actually. But verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now, notice this. He's blessed us in the heavenly realms. Do you know where you're equipped? You're not equipped physically. You're equipped spiritually. I've met people all the time who talk. Well, you don't understand. I, I just don't have the right personality. That's physical. Well, I'm old, that, and we get that. But that's physical. Well, I'm ADD. I'm. People say I'm annoying. You are, but that's physical. No, seriously, that's physical. Your weight is spiritual. Where you war is in the spirit. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. This is crazy. It feels like, literally, at first, it will feel like you're doing nothing. i got this major problem in my life. What am I going to do? I'm going to pray about it. Yeah, that's good, but what are we going to do? I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to go after it. I'm going to ask my dad. I'm watching The Chosen. Love it. I love it. Really quickly, my favorite part, spoiler alert, sorry, but when you get there, you'll love it. One of the episodes is where Jesus Intersects the life of this Samaritan guy, who like robbed. Have you guys seen this? You got to see it. It's, it's stupid good. He, brought, this Samaritan, robs and beats to death this Jew. Him and his buddies did. These Samaritans beat this Jew, left him naked and dying on the side of the road. In fact, he thinks he died. Jesus comes to his house, ministers to him, and ends up telling him, "By the way, he didn't die." And the Samaritan's like, "How did you know? How do you know?" He's like, "I know." Totally redeems the guy. Then at the very end, they stand up and Peter's like, it's getting late, we should go. And Jesus is like, yeah, we're in Samaria. You never know who might be waiting on the road. And nobody says anything. And Jesus is like, too soon? Is it too soon? I was like, that's like the best Jesus joke ever. Is that hysterical? I thought it was funny. Is it was hysterical? Yeah, I'm telling you, dude. I buy it. I have no idea how that fit in here, but I've been watching The Chosen. I've been watching The Chosen, and it's interesting that, oh, I remember why I brought it up, is that The Chosen, Jesus, the disciples come to him in season two, and they're like, we're out of food. And he's like, yeah, that's something we should talk to my father about. And they're all like, what is his deal? Food. But he just, it's like Jesus lived here. I I wish you would live here. Would you live here with me? Seriously, I, I wish you would live here. We're, we're, so, we're so consumed with how cool we are and the latest trends and all the physical stuff in our cars and all. Yeah, I get, we need that, I get it. But dude, I'm telling you, there's a, there, I'm telling you, your generation is gonna struggle with that. You don't wanna end up like our generation because it's the same thing, it's just a little bit different and old, not as cool. Seriously. This, the physical is not bad. just It can't be your emphasis. We are equipped, verse 3, in the heavenly realms. And if you want to know what that looks like, Jesus says, go down to verses 18, 19, and 20. Gee, listen to what Paul says. Paul says, I'm praying. Listen to this. I'm praying that the eyes of your heart may be opened, enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you. The richest, glorious inheritance of the saints. Do you know what he's given you? Can you hear that? I mean, come on. It's like Paul was saying here this morning, I'm begging you that he would open your eyes to know what you have available to you. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him up from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above every rule, authority, power, dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but in the age to come. Wow. Wow. You want to know what it's like? You want to know what God intended for you and I? The power, the same, get this, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in your body. I know. That lady goes, wow. I'll, I'll be attacked by the enemy. This is my, a good friend of mine. You guys know Dan Bohai? There's a little Dan Bohai plug. I love him. We were talking the other day, and he was telling me he was at this church, And he said, This woman came forward to be healed. And he said, I've never had this before. He said, But I looked down and I saw a demonic being wrapped around her. I think this is on YouTube. You can go watch it. He said, I saw this demonic being wrapped around her. It's a spirit of infirmity. And he said, They said the Lord told him, spoke to him, said, That's what's causing this. Tell it to leave. And he goes, I had all my life, all these exorcisms. He goes, I've seen people screaming and yelling, all this stuff. And he was like, I realized none of that's necessary. I'm filled with the same spirit that I said, what'd you do? He goes, I literally looked down. He goes, I was talking to this woman, this old lady's waist. She was probably thinking I'm weird. But he said, I leaned down. He said, I told the demonic being. He said, this can go one of two ways. Painful or easy. But you and I both know how this is going to end. You have to leave. And he said it popped off and left and she was healed. (laughs) Dude, I was like, what what if, what, what, well, what's special about Dan Bohai? Nothing. He's a run-of-the-mill Christian. Well, I wonder why I, yeah, I'd wonder. Do what I do. Go home and look in the mirror and say, Why aren't you living victoriously? Why isn't God using you that way? Well, I go to church on Sunday. Yeah, because everybody who goes to church on Sunday is a Christian. Well, I don't smoke, drink, or chew, or go with girls who do. I don't lie. I don't steal. I don't have sex before marriage. I'm not. Are you tight with him? Did you know you can hear him? Who in this place this morning, just be honest, if you haven't, no pressure, but who in this here this morning know without a doubt, not because it's the thing and everybody says you should, but who here this morning without a doubt say, I know I've been tempted by the enemy? Raise your hand. Hi. Look around. Okay. Did you know that if you can hear the demonic, you can hear the Holy Spirit? In fact, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. If you can't hear him, I'd be worried. Well, I'd go to church. I don't care. One of the things that shocked me the most in, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus is talking to his disciples at the end of his life about the judgment day. He says, many on the day of judgment are going to say, Lord, Lord. I came to church every Sunday, and I sit there with my family like a bump on a log. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, gets in the kingdom of heaven. I'm sure you know some Bible verses and I know you're not a serial killer. Big fan. Doesn't mean you're Christian. Second place he mentions it, he says, listen, you have power and authority in the heavenly realms. Verse 3. Verses 18 through 20 and specifically verse 20 where he mentions it. What does that power and authority look like? It was demonstrated in Jesus. And in case you missed it, The third reference is down just a few more verses in chapter 2, verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. What does that mean? That literally Jesus, people make Jesus out to be something special. Well, what are you saying? He's not special. He's special. He's the only begotten son of God. There's no one like him. He's our redeemer. He's fully God, fully man. I get that. The first one, worshiped king, got all that. But the life he lived is the life you and I are called to live. In fact, Paul calls him the second Adam, which means what the first Adam had, he came and got it back. And you and I can live in the same authority he has. Period. I ain't settling for less. I'm not going to be bullied by the enemy. That's the third reference. The fourth reference is in chapter 3. Get this. Again, we're going to look at this stuff this week. You're going to want to be here. Listen to this, or you're going to want to tune in. Chapter 3, this is my favorite. Chapter 3, verse 10. This blew my mind. Paul says, talking about God, I'm going to read this slow. Chapter 3, verse 10. His intent, God's intent, was that now, through the church, that's us, the manifold wisdom of God. Pause. What the manifold wisdom of God is, is the complete wisdom of God. The whole thing should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Hold on. You mean what's going on in us isn't just to be revealed to other people? No. There's a whole aspect of who he is that the angels have never seen. Think about this. Did you know before we came along, before mankind was ever created, God was never called father. No angel calls him father. And they're not sons or daughters. You mean we call him father? Yeah, it's a whole revelation they don't know anything about. It'll, it'll, it'll blow your mind when you begin to discover who you are in Christ. Christ. Who you are in Christ. His intent was that now through the church, the heavenly realms are going to learn. There's a whole aspect of who he is. One scholar I was reading, and I just, there's speculation on some of this, is that the enemy was jealous in the announcement of God creating mankind God did a new thing when he created the physical. Before mankind, there was never any physical. One day, God got out of bed and said, Hey, guess what? All the angels, come on. You two, cherub, quit messing around. Hey, Bobby, get over here. And then he gathered everybody around and he says, Hey, guess what? I'm going to do a new thing. They're like, No way. We're going to change the rules in softball? No, no, no. It's going to be better. I'm making physical. They're like, What's physical? And he spoke. And then he created, you're under the impression, he created Lucifer to be a garden in that physical and spiritual. And of course, the last one's in chapter 6. For, our, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the principalities, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We are to engage our world spiritually. Jesus says stuff. I mean, the New Testament is full of prayer. Literally, Jesus, like his disciples said, listen, teach us how to pray. He's like, say say this. Father, you are holy. Let what's going on in your kingdom come here. Don't let us starve. Protect us from the evil. We give you the praise. Amen. Yeah. You mean, Jeremiah, I'm supposed to go to school tomorrow and I'm supposed to walk. I'm, I'm, de- I'm going to go every day and I'm going to walk down that campus and I'm going to say, Jesus, would you take everything that makes your holy presence what it is? Would you funnel that and let it take place here on this campus through that group? Would you open their eyes? Would you take nothing that's allowed there? Would you make it not allowed here? Nothing that's not allowed there. That's a double negative. We only want what's permitted in throne room to be permitted here. Would you just demonstrate yourself that we have power, and we're not living that way. Seriously, we're not exercising that. So I was talking with Trevor before the service, and he says, how do you want to end the service? I was like, I have no idea. He's like, that's not encouraging, Jeremiah. We pay you very good money millions of dollars. I said, what do you want to do? He goes, let's just have some worship. And let's open it up for people who need to respond. Listen, I'm talking to you, Dad. I was at this church. I probably shouldn't say this online, but they're not going to watch anyway. I was telling Mark about it. I was at this church two weeks ago. It was the worst. I closed the service down 10 minutes after I started it. There were 50 people there. There's a whole family that came in and took up one row. I see it at every church I go to. They're just bumps on a log. You're under the impression the only time they come to church is on Sunday morning, because they're they're good, 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 good. They believe. What does that mean? Well, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, Satan believes in Jesus. What does it mean to believe? You believe he exists, you believe he's awesome, so do they. What it means to believe, one quick statement. Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. You know what it means to believe? God comes to Abraham and says, I'm going to change an entire world through you. And Abraham said, sound good. I believe everything you say about me. And I'm going to go live like it that's Christianity and you can go to church and not have that I do it breaks my heart I see kids grow up in church they know when to stand up they know when to sit down they know all the right things to say they graduate and they come they leave and they don't ever come back and mom's like I'm so confused I'd like to know what's going on at home did you live one life Monday through Monday through Saturday and another life on Sunday I mean, come on, dude, there's more. God is not going to be mocked. It's not just about being a good moral Christian guy. It's, it's, I'm participating. I was created for this hour. Jeremiah, I wasn't born for nothing. Seriously, I'm on the front lines. I know him. We're on the front lines. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to make a dent. Wherever I go, the enemy cannot, he just cannot be. The enemy does not have access to anything in your life. Did you know that the enemy, if the enemy ever comes and tempts you with your past, he's lying. Jesus came and bought, you were bought. Remember the passage? This is why you read the word. Like, you read it. You're, you were bought with, by a, with a price. We know that. Your past was nailed to a cross. It not only doesn't belong to Satan, it doesn't belong to you. Whenever you try to go back and feel bad about your past or be tortured with your past, you're operating illegally. You you are stealing from Jesus cuz your past doesn't belong to you anymore. Do you know how freeing that is? Your present and your future belong to him. So when Satan comes to me and brings up my past, I'm like, "Are you stupid?" You and I both know how this conversation is going. You are operating illegally. You are not allowed to talk to me. Be gone. And if you are constantly under struggle, people say, well, I've just been struggling. You shouldn't. The enemy is literally a lot like flies. Flies are attracted to garbage. And if you have garbage in your life, you can tell the flies to go and they'll go, but they're going to come right back. You have any garbage in your life? Come on, mom. Dad, you have any garbage in your life? I'm not talking about going to church or what you believe. I'm talking about secret sin. I'm talking about porn. I'm talking about lying, stealing, lack of priorities. Come on, man. Not being involved, attitudes, the way you talk to your wife, the way you talk to your husband, you can't, that, can't, that cannot be tolerated. That's not allowed here. It's absolutely, we live in a day and age, do the statistics, where the church looks the same as the world. That should not be the case. Jesus said, I wonder, look at, look at Matthew in chapters 24, 25, and 6. He says, I wonder when I come back if I'll even find faith. It's, it's time to be real. I want you to come this week, but we're going to be full bore. Seriously. We're going to be full bore. We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 down through verse 20. Maybe the beginning of the book a little bit, but it is a whole nother level. And it's rev- all, all I want to do is I want to come to the scriptures and I want, to, I want to literally take a look at who you and I are. And then we're going to walk away going, that is ridiculous. That's me. Could be. so I do, let's, let's have a chance let's, let's, let's take a chance to pray, you don't have to come down to an altar, I get it, but you may need to turn towards your wife and say hey you feeling what I'm feeling you may need to rethink some things, if you're at home and you're watching this online, I love it probably the day is coming where you need to get out of the home and come in, you're not going to die seriously seriously and I can, I, I'm just going to say things, not trying to make a mess, and I'm not trying to be, but I, I see people all the time at Walmart and out to eat and all these other places. You can come to church. Look at that. There's a place right over there. No one's sitting. This is, we need to, seriously, this, this, is, this is high intensity priority in our life stuff. He does not have to endorse anything I say. In fact, I give you permission to stand up and go, that guy's a crazy. I did not know he was going to say any of that. But there's a whole do we listen? This, there's a whole nother level of essentialness that we have. So let's just take a few minutes, and, tre- and uh, Trevor's gonna he's gonna pray, and and uh, Trevor, Trevor, Trevor's gonna Trevor's gonna sing, and and uh, when you think it's time to close, Pastor Mark, you can come and close us. But let's let's just. Let's process what we're hearing. And then I would. I would just talk to the Lord. It's what I, honestly, I feel like I've gotten saved all over again. Six months ago, I began to look through the New Testament. And I'll be honest with you. I was like, I don't see any of that in my life. And I felt convicted. Because if that's the norm, why ain't I living it? And in the last six months, I've been seeing things in our ministry that I haven't seen in 26 years. I'm. I'm living there. Father, we love you this morning. I thank you for the truth of your word. And Father, I, I know I know your word is truth. I know that it, it has the weight of the Holy Spirit behind it. So I ask, Father, in your name, that you would take the truth of the Holy Spirit, the truth of the Father, the truth of the Son, you take the truth of who you are, which reveals who we are, and you would just sow it into our hearts. In these moments. Open our eyes. What is your plan for us? We are to literally demonstrate you in this world. They're to look at us and see you. We're to have power and authority. I'm not a victim. I'm an overcomer. The enemy's a liar. I don't have to put up with what I put up with. I don't have to live with what I've been living with. Jesus I don't want I would hate to have Paul have to say to me that you're supposed to be eating solid meat and you're still I'm still up to coming and teach you the elementary teachings of Christ all over again. We're still messing around with stuff we shouldn't be messing around with. The early church was filled with overcomers that were literally the whole world knew about you Jesus in 70 years. What are we doing? Send revival, Lord. Bring change, bring innovation, excitement, relatability, answers, real answers to our problems that we're facing in this country. So I just ask you to come, Jesus, bring revelation, reveal to us who you've called us to be heads are bowed and eyes are closed if you'd like to come and pray I know we had some college students praying during the worship I love it if you'd like to just come and pray ask him say Jesus do an overhaul in my life I'm I, seriously I'm praying that every. I'm, I'm hungry in a few minutes Mark's going to close us we went up just a little bit over I apologize but let's have a time of prayer and then I'd love for you to come back tonight Monday night Tuesday night Wednesday night because it's, it's astounding and it's right it's, I'm telling you it's, it's right out of here It's right out of the scriptures who you and I are. So we're going to have a time of prayer. If you'd like to come and pray, we'd love you to do that. And then Pastor Mark's going to close us here in a minute. Appreciate you, Trevor. Wow. Well, uh, we're going to be here tonight, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night at 7. And one of the things that I've been saying the churches that we go to, um, I haven't stopped traveling since July of 2020. And there's all kinds of opinions out there. And, you know, I understand that, you know. Uh, it's just that my opinion's worth more. No, it's not. But um, from someone who's traveling in a different city, in different gas stations, in different motels, every single week, who is somewhat paranoid of getting sick, okay? My hands are in a perpetual state of cracking from the amount of, you know, um, hand sanitizer. In fact, I've become a connoisseur of hand sanitizer. There's smelly hand sanitizer. There's good, I, I, you can come to me. I can help you on any of that. The point is, is we know a lot of people that's been sick. I've had family that's been sick, and COVID's no joke, okay? I'm not in the persuasion that it's just, you know, not existent We do it. We know it is. And um, um, you need to be here. Seriously. Take precautions. If you need to wear a mask, wear a mask. If Come in a biohazard suit. We're good with it. Seriously, I'm good with whatever you want. But there's certain things that there's certain things you need to be a part of. And this is your body. I I I believe we're entering into a season, and we've entered into a new spiritual season. Seriously, and it's it's not even worth like trying to defend anymore. Just turn on the TV. We live in a different world, and it's it's a different world spiritually. And I just don't think you're going to make it without the body. And I can prove that biblically. So I want to encourage you. There are certain things that are risky. You have to go get groceries. You have to get gas, okay? I I get that. You have to be with the body of believers. Seriously, you just have to be. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to come back. I want to encourage you to be a part. Um, You know, we're going to have a great time of fellowship. I want to give you some new teachings that I've been doing. It's the first things that I've been... This is the first... It's funny because Mark and I were talking about this. We didn't plan any of this, but there was there's just stuff that he and I have been curious about for 20 years that the Lord's bringing to light. So I'd love to share it and we'll grow together. But I would really encourage you to be here. Let's be safe. But I encourage you to come. And let's just Let's just have a time of authentic moving of the Holy Spirit. I really, really, really want that. I think their generation wants that. And so let's gather. I want to encourage you to be here. Fair enough. Um, I'm also available this week, you know. Uh, a couple of people have come up and say, hey, do you ever get together with anybody? Hey, I'm, I'm attracted to free food, so, you know, whatever <laughs> you want to do, you know. Seriously, let me know. Uh, I'd love to bring Mark along with me as much as possible, but if not, you know, whatever. Tonight... Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. Jesus, we thank you for the truth of your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would uh, just train us up for this precarious season in which we live. This is our time. This is our time. Equip us. Open our eyes. Launch us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said...